When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Morton's Heritage Railway podcast. Absolutely. It's a brand new era being opened in the joys of Morton's Heritage Railway. A fantastic new series of podcasts brought to you by, of course, the studios at Siren FM and more. And we're delighted for this official podcast to be able to welcome the editor extraordinaire with respect to uh, to Morton's Heritage Railway and and so on. That's Brian Sharp. How are you, Brian? I'm very, very well, thank you. Can I just correct you on the deputy editor? Well, that's (laughs) quite right. The promotion, I'm sure, is over. Only a matter of time. That's the important thing. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't bet on that. Uh, never mind. Brian, it's a, it's a delight to actually welcome you on board. Uh, also in the studio, we have uh, the fabulous Jeff Thompson. Jeff, I know in your day job, you're the official manager of the Media, Humanities and Technology Building at the University of Lincoln, as well as a radio presenter of extraordinary skill. But also you're here because of your passion, and I say that quite deliberately, passion for radio, for railways. Yes, well, particularly the old railways, the steam era. Uh, but I do have an interest in modern railways. Okay, exactly so. And indeed, we once did a, a session with respect to the East Coast Mail Line, which people still talk about in, in legendary tones, really, <laughs> which was great. I'm, I'm clearly the sort of interested soul in this particular spec, uh, aspect. But the Settle and Carlisle revival, I'm looking at uh, the line that refused to die. Uh, Brian, this was your publication. Just share with us what, what sort of things you put together with respect to when you were putting this, this, this publication initially together. Well, um, the idea came to me after I'd done three similar bookazines, as we call them, at Morton's, and um, a lot of it's down to economics with these things, and I've got a collection of photographs of the line taken over 30 years, um, and that makes the economics work, if I can use my own pictures and not um, have to purchase them from other people. Um, So I thought about the um, format of the book, and the way it works basically is a history of the line and the background and um, the campaign to save it. And um, then there's a journey north along the line, then there's various things in the middle um, on various subjects, such as the type of steam engines that have worked on the line recently. And then the journey south from Carlisle, both on the uphill sections of the line, which are the interesting bits. Um, And um, I perhaps did it to... Two years early, really, because it is the 25th anniversary this year, in April, of the um, agreement by the government to not close the line in um, April 1989. 
Um, so hopefully that will cause a, a boost in sales, um, having been on the market now for a couple of years. Well, this podcast is specifically designed at people who have an interest and a passion for this. And I love the uh, the subtitle that you've given it, the Settle and Carlisle Revival, The Line That Refused to Die. Uh, Jeff, you've done lots of research in terms of this. And, and going back to the Northwestern Railway, back in 1845, there were four sections of new railway lines connecting the Leeds and Bradford Railways extension at Skipton. I mean, you, you've, you've looked at this. I mean, there's some really fascinating human stories here. There are. I mean, uh, it, it almost didn't happen because um, the, the economics of building it were daunting, to say the least, uh, the terrain and so forth, and the cost involved. And at one point, um, they actually applied to withdraw uh, the parliamentary license to build it. Um, but uh, there was a lot of lobbying from various companies who saw an interest in, A, not spending the money to do it, B, profiting when it, if it was done. So uh, Parliament uh, was not minded to withdraw, and uh, it went ahead. Uh, a phenomenal achievement. Um, 6,000 navvies in the middle of nowhere, if you can think about that. They, they built villages... Uh, shanty villages to live in and um, I mean if you consider that uh, that area gets four times as much rain as London you go, <laughs> you're starting to get an idea plus the howling winds I mean we're talking about the Pennines here and uh, yeah a lot of, we don't know how many people lost their lives building it because of course the HSE wasn't too active back then <laughs> but uh, things like for ex- a smallpox ep- epidemic at one of these shanty villages uh, 80 people died but the, the actual death toll out of the, uh, the number of people not just nabbies of course but uh, families as well mm-hmm. in case people are wondering HSC health and safety executive I never said I'd say those words but there we are that's, that's what it's, it's about there uh, Brian from your own perspective was this something you'd always been you'd had an interest in because it seems obviously Morton's based in uh, the joys of the East Midlands and, and so on Horncastle and here we are Settle and Carlisle West Country was it something which was a, almost a kind of passion for yourself really in terms of of following this story through well i think it is for any railway enthusiast it is one of the classic railway routes in britain that is still open and um being a a railway enthusiast train spotter from the age of three um it's something i've always been interested in and um it's if you're interested in steam engines then the settle and carlisle is the place you just have to go to regularly every year um That makes perfect sense. Coming up on this first Morton's Heritage Railway podcast, we'll be featuring a very special guest indeed, uh, connecting with us via the medium of the telephone uh, and a major campaigner for the line. uh, That, of course, is the committee member and vice president of the Friends of the Settle Carlisle line. That would be Pete Shaw. Uh, All this and more on the Morton's Heritage Railway podcast. If you like trains, if you like vintage trains, then this is the podcast for you. Quite right, too. Uh, and thanks to Rob Nichols there, who is also a train enthusiast, who uh, is an editor of another magazine uh, supporting it. It's actually Flying to the Moon. He's the editor of Middlesbrough Football Club fanzine, so he was keen to get involved with that. Uh, as mentioned, we've got uh, uh, the uh, vice president of the Friends of the Settle to Carlisle line and indeed a committee member extraordinaire. That would be, of course, Pete Shaw online. How are you, Pete? Hello, I'm fine, thank you. Excellent. Now, you've been listening to, to Jeff and, and Brian talk about this whole uh, system, and, I mean, I love the fact we've got the Friends of the Settle to Carlisle line that's actually in there. Just talk us through your own story. What was it specifically about this that led to your involvement with this, this whole um, organisation? 
Well, it was multiple, really. Uh, I've always been a railway enthusiast as well, and as a young lad, I was a train spotter. I, too, like to see steam engines working hard going uphill, but it's also access to the area. The Cumbrian Fells and Yorkshire Dales are a magnificent area for going walking in, one of my interests. I'm also a botanist, as were my father and mother, so we used to go up and see trains and look at wildflowers in the gullies and uh, all around the Yorkshire Dales. So it, um, it was multiple interest, really. The thing that's really impressed me about this magazine, and hopefully you've seen it, uh, The Line That Refused to Die, The Settle and Carlisle Revival. I mean, Brian was talking about photographs earlier in the whole piece, and uh, you know, th- some of the landscape, Brian, it's phenomenal here that you've actually got. I mean, it really kind of, it's quintessentially British and, and, and wonderful. It, it carries with it so many connotations. I mean, it must, must be a joyous looking at the photographs, I would have uh, Yes. Um, one thing I should point out, though, is that these are perhaps 5% of the pictures that I've taken, and they don't really represent the railway at all because it's often wet, windy, overcast. Oh, it can be horrible, don't, but don't, uh, when you get the sunshine, no. whoops. Don't, <laughs> don't the destroy sunshine, the illusion. You know, it, it, it's all there. I mean, that's I, what makes it worth going. I, I, I was just waiting for Pete to turn around and say, Yeah, it's always dry and wet and sunny in Carlisle, isn't it? I know exactly how he feels. I'm, I'm a, a serious photographer myself. I, um, I publish postcards and a settled Carlisle railway calendar, and of course, one only wants to offer the very best photographs to be seen by the public. Well, that makes sense. I mean, the other thing which uh, I, I thought was wonderful is you've got a mixture of obviously steam trains and diesel trains and the whole package from that. I mean, it's uh, refreshingly free of electrification, one might well say. Yep, indeed. Uh, we've got a good mix of trains now, but of course, during the closure proposal, British Rail manipulated the situation where the passenger trains were down to merely two a day, and they'd taken all the freight trains off to make the line look uneconomic prior to putting up their closure notices. So there has indeed been a revival. We've got all sorts of freight now. We've got coal, gypsum, timber, cement. So it's back to being a normal part of the National Railway Network. Jeff, as we said, you've been looking at some of the the facts and things with respect to line. Anything you'd like to share with us at this stage, which maybe Pete could actually say, yeah, that's true, or you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Well, uh, coal is an interesting addition because coal... Was uh, was not a commodity that was carried on the line uh, because the obviously the the direction would have been from Scotland, uh, and uh, Scotland and England didn't need to share coal particularly. They had their uses for it there, and we had ours here. But uh, with the importation of coal, coal and the, uh, the power stations needing to source the coal from the um, much further afield abroad, coming in in ships, uh, the coal is is going across there and the gypsum of course used to flow in the opposite direction it's now flowing uh, east-west instead of west-east as a, as a result of the power station sending it across for uses in uh, southwest Scotland so um, this, this, this thing, um, just before we, we, we move back to, to, uh, to Brian Peter is that something which you think again you know it's a wonderful way in which it's not just something for railway enthusiasts it's genuinely serving a need within the population within industry Oh, it is, yes, on both freight and passenger. Um, we've got uh, Anglo-Scottish coal, as mentioned, which is traversing the line from one end to the other. But we've now also got several products which emanate from within the line itself, which is particularly pleasing for us. When um, some of the coniferous forests are cut down, timber is loaded onto trains that are siding at Ribblehead, actually on the line, and that goes to a paper mill in Chirk. 
And we've also got gypsum, which comes from the power stations having cleaned up the emissions, which goes onto the line at Kirby Thor, just north of Appleby. So again, that's within the line. And we are hopeful that uh, two quarries might get reconnected fairly shortly. That's what we majored on in our last issue of the Friends magazine. Now I'm looking at uh, an interesting uh, bar in the, the magazine which says 2014 Settle to Carlisle Railway Calendar from Pete Shaw Photography. 13 colour photographs of steam and diesel trains in scenic locations along the line. And this is where I kind of think oh, this is where we need the experts. It's got the steam locos, the 5690 or 5690 Leander, the 6532 Blue Peter, the 61994 Great Marcus, the 60009 Union of South Africa and the 44932, as well as diesel classes 2037, 47, 56, 60 and 66. You see, Pete, these could be lottery numbers to me. They you know. There's a few LMER locomotives in there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Brian, is, is this the sort of level where you think, wow, I need to know that number precisely to tick that box? Um, these numbers are very, very familiar to me, as I'm sure Pete would <laughs> concur with. Um, yes, I know exactly what those engines are, and um, these these are the sort of, sort of engines you see working hard over the line still, um, so many years after it. I'm happy to say that the uh, the Feldsman is back this year. That's a steam uh, hauled train uh, on the Settlery Carlisle, and um, it's. I think this year it's running from the 11th of June to the 27th of August, uh, this special, uh, pulled by a variety of locomotives that are uh, housed at Carnfoot. See, the great thing about this, Jeff, is I see a whole new side to your travel input. I mean, you do all the traffic stuff on uh, the uh, Siren Breakfast shows on Wednesday and Monday and, and Tuesday, of course. But, you know, this is this is train transports and a whole range of things there. And speaking of which, of course, Pete, there's a uh, Friends of the Settle and Carlisle uh, line Dales cards that you can actually get, which uh, have got benefits for family. Perhaps you'd like to, to talk about that, because another aspect about this podcast is how people can just enjoy the journey and actually travel on these trains, and there are some very competitively priced areas that you can offer. There are two rail cards that are available. If, if you live in within certain postcode areas within the Dales and Cumbria that are close to the line, which are defined on the leaflet, you can apply for what's called a Dales card, and that gives you a third off normal travel on the Settle Carlisle Railway. Now, a lot of the Friends members do actually live further away so in order to enable them to have some of the benefits of a discount travel, the Northern Rail, who operate the passenger trains, very kindly allowed us to plug into a system whereby Friends members can apply for a Friends Dales card. And if you live outside the normal postcode area, but you are a Friends member, you still can apply for the card and you get discounted travel. Brian, one of the things that uh, I'm always very keen to, to, to stress is that podcasts can provide you with wonderful scenery and images, and we've already talked about the fabulous photographs and so on. Sometimes you actually need to get the hardcore magazine to actually just savour this as well as the whole system. So in terms of the Settle and Carlisle Revival, there is a, a Facebook site that's actually already up there. It's uh, www.facebook.com forward slash Heritage Railway, or you can go to the uh, um, Heritage Railway magazine site and uh, like on Facebook and go from thence. Uh, there's also also, an email address that people can get in touch with as far as railwaypodcast at mortons.co.uk is concerned. But what, what's your own favourite article that's come out of, of this particular magazine, again, as, you, as you've produced it? Is the particular area which you thought, really like that particular thing? Um, I think it was one of the stories I uncovered in 
researching it. In fact, two stories. Um, one, the fact that they built a sanatorium on the top of Ingleborough, um, where the opening ceremony got so out of hand that it, the um, people destroyed it before anybody actually used it. Oh. And this was before the coming of the railway, so how people were ever going to get there, I don't know. And um, also the discovery of this Roman helm, Roman centurion's helmet um, at Crosby Garrett, which was eventually auctioned to, for £12 million, which, of course, would have paid for the repair of Ribblehead Viaduct, which was what threatened the line in the first place. And I found those, both of these fascinating stories that I had no idea about. That helmet was found just fairly close to the Settle Carlisle railway line, and it's called the Crosby Garrett Helmet, and it's now on display. The purchaser very kindly lent it to the Tully House Museum in Carlisle, so people can go on the train, have a ride out to Carlisle, and go and see this Roman helmet. I love the way we have Ribblehead, as its name suggests, is the source of the river Ribble. Uh, the B6479 road from Settle meets the B625 uh, Ingleton to Hawes Road just here, so it was natural that there would be a settlement there. As I say, the locations, and I'm going to say whatever the weather, unless it's literally Arctic vortices that we've actually got there, which thankfully doesn't occur too much as far as, uh, as Britain is actually concerned, uh, it really is it's magical. I, mean, I was thinking almost Harry Potter-esque as a, as a kind of line, really. Um, yes, I think you could say it is. Um, you know, you can kind of imagine goblets of fire and such things, and, and Merlin the magician. Um, and um, is, is Merlin part of the heritage and conservation uh, uh, <coughs> site for, for, from your own point of view, Pete? Well, I've never seen Merlin, but oh. uh, the friends do run tours around the area at the Ribblehead Viaduct because there is a lot of archaeology still visible, where the remains of tramways, engine sheds, brickworks, lime kilns, um, houses, a smallpox hospital. So we actually offer free tours on most Wednesdays in midsummer to look at the archaeology of the Ribblehead area. Jeff, have you ever travelled on the line yourself? Uh, yes, uh, quite a long time ago, but I've seen it more from the track side, really, spending a lot of time on that sort of area. It, it really was... Terrific engineering achievement uh, all those years ago because um, uh, railways like to be fairly flat. The flatter, the better. <laughs> and of course, it's anything but. You don't there. want a runaway train? No. So, I mean, there are 14 tunnels, some of them pretty substantial, you know, 2,629 yards is a tunnel just next to the Ribblehead. And the Ribblehead Viaduct itself, 22. Uh, t- sorry, 24 arches. Um, there are 22 viaducts on the line. 24 arches in the Ribblehead Viaduct, uh, 104 feet, that's 32 metres high, and uh, f- uh, 440 yards long. Uh, when you come across it, as you're winding your way along those little narrow B roads that you mentioned, and you suddenly it's there revealed in front of you, it is astonishing. And to think so, so very long ago that uh, that was put up without the aid of uh, diesel engines and uh, electricity and so forth, done by just hard graft. Do you think people will be looking at it a bit like the pyramids and are thinking, how did they ever do that? Extraordinary. Do you know, I think in a way it's not that far away. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, Pete, what about yourself? I mean, obviously you've travelled online. When was the, when was the last time you travelled on, on, on the actual railway itself? Or is it a case of, no, I, I'm on the Friends of the Settle, I'm Vice President, I don't travel on the line, I do something completely different, I use a helicopter. No, no, I haven't got a helicopter, wishful thinking. No, I travel quite frequently because um, we go to meetings, uh, 
we've got a, a shop to be organised at Settle Station and Appleby Station, so we're often up there. We distribute timetable leaflets because we, we now work very closely with Northern Rail who run the passenger trains, and we help them to market the line. So various members of Friends are always up and down taking leaflets to hotels and guest houses and other places around to try and encourage passengers to come and have a ride. I've avoided using the B word, beaching, but I have now. Uh, Brian, fr- from your own perspective, I mean, we've, we've kind of moved beyond that and people realise it was a mistake to look at shutting these things down. When you're travelling on, on this particular aspect and, and, and looking at, at what happens between Settle and Carlisle and that whole, whole system, do you sort of think, actually, we're getting it right now? We are finally realising just the importance from a heritage point of view, from a, a national history point of view, of you know, keeping our railways working and operating? Um, I think railways have a role to play in the transport system of this country. Um, And I think Beeching perhaps took it a bit too far in some of the lines he closed or wanted to close. Um, But I think a lot of railways should have closed, and it's wrong to criticise Beeching for everything that he did. Um, And I think he didn't forecast the changes in society over the next 50 years which we've now seen for example importing coal um, is one of the reasons why the Settlement Carlisle is now thriving Beeching could never have forecast that Britain's coal industry would disappear almost overnight Um, and the enormous growth in um, leisure travel by train um, which people now go for a ride on the train to see the scenery which in the early 1960s, they wouldn't really have thought of. They didn't have the money to, for such luxuries. And that, therefore, I think um, the situation has changed totally, and this is why the, the line can now thrive in the present situation, which it couldn't um, 50 years ago. Mm. I'd like to feel somebody could be listening to this podcast as they're travelling on the rail journey. It'd be a nice little way. They could be downloading that and then have a mixture of the 21st century and the 20th century best technology working together. And if somebody is, what message would you like to share with them, Pete Shaw? I mean, is, is it a case of all's well now, or can people still get actively involved with the Friends of the Settle to Carlisle Line? People can get actively involved. We've um, something like 3,500 members. So we've got quite a powerful voice in uh, marketing the line and trying to seek for further improvements to train services and facilities at stations, which we join in with and help to fund. Um, We've got a, a website. If you go to www.settle-carlisle.co.uk, you'll find everything you need to know. We issue a quarterly magazine to members, uh, which keeps you up to date with developments and interesting things that go on. Pete, thank you for joining us today. I mean, stay with us for our sort of final wrap-up. Still to come on uh, the Morton's Heritage Railway podcast, Volume 1. Uh, we'll be looking ahead to some of the other exciting uh, details that are available from, obviously, Morton's. Uh, we're talking with Brian about his own particular highlights and probably a few more amazing facts from Jeff as well. All this and more on the podcast. Hi, this is Rob Nichols. From Fly Me to the Moon, you're listening to the Morton's Heritage Railway podcast. Thank you once again. OK, uh, Brian, in terms of, of, of looking ahead... Clearly, Settle and Carlisle Revival, the line that refused to die, is still available. Yes, 
Good. Uh, okay. main, mainly from WH Smiths, but I believe the shops of the Friends of the Settle and Carlisle line. We do. We sell it at both our shops. I yeah. hope you've sold lots. We have, yeah. <laughs> it's a very good book, I might say. Oh, Thank there you. we are. It's endorsed in every sense of the word. Uh, I mean, Brian, we hope to, to sort of develop a whole series of these. What are the sort of highlights in terms of railway transport, heritage railway, and Morton's looking to, to develop and work through? I mean, from your own role as deputy editor, or indeed in this case, editor of the Settle and Carlisle Revival. Um, in terms of um, the magazine, um, we cover mainly the news in the um, railway heritage scene, and it's remarkable just how much news there is. In fact, we, we struggle to squeeze it in the pages of the magazine. Um, last year we had, um, in fact it's still continuing, the 75th anniversary of Mallard's world speed record run, which has led to the importing of two... LNERA4 Pacific's back from North America um, and there is a lineup of all six surviving engines coming up in the next month or so, obviously we'll be covering that there's other events um, there's a commemoration of the end of Great Western Steam which happened in 1964 when they had a record run with Castle at 96 miles an hour, that's going to be commemorated in May this year and there's all sorts of uh, major stories, and there's stories we don't even know about um, that will come up and um, usually come up on press day and um, for a total revamping of the magazine at the last minute. I think the phrase I would like to use is content-rich. That's uh, a good word. Certainly got a, a range of, of wonderful stuff in there. And just in the same way, the podcast will hopefully develop because uh, it's been fabulous connecting with your good self today, Pete, and obviously making use of that wonderful telephone device to, to share with us on the, the system. But we're hopeful, Jeff, of hopefully getting out to the line itself, maybe doing some live links from the whole system. There's a whole range of things. We'd like people to design their own kind of idents for us and send in sort of their own views on that thing. What are you looking forward to, Jeff, in terms of... You're a travel person, aren't you? You're keen to get on the train, aren't you? I do like travelling on the train, along with a lot of other people. Um, it's, it's interesting how much leisure has paid a part in the line. I mean, two things. Directly, of course, um, when it was publicised that British Rail put a second time round, we're trying to close the railway line, uh, a lot of people started to use it, and... Uh, Use in uh, 1983, 93,000 journeys, and uh, by 1989 it was up to 450,000. I don't know what it is right now, but it's huge. And most of that is leisure. But uh, the other significant thing is so many people are making rail journeys uh, in huge, huge numbers that the railways are very keen to get freight off the main express passenger lines. And so uh, lines that... Formerly, were looked at as possible for possibly being closed or downgraded. Suddenly, find themselves uh, very, very useful again because they're taking uh, a lot of freight off lines where the uh, the railways would like to have their express passenger trains. So, uh, yeah, the the increase in journeys by people is having a, you know a huge effect. And uh, as you said, Alex. Uh, the um, bitching Scots, uh, in hindsight, didn't look so brilliant. At one point, they, were, they actually proposed closing the line between Newcastle and Edinburgh, but yeah, drew back from that one. Precisely. Uh, 
Well, it's marvellous stuff there. Feel good story, I, I sense, Pete. It's been connecting, uh, wonderful connecting with you, good stuff today. So hopefully we'll see you again and you'll, you'll join us for, for various other events. Uh, that's pretty much the end of our first Heritage Railway podcast. Um, well, well, nice to talk to you all and thank you for featuring Settle Carlisle. Pete, it's been, it's been wonderful. Brian, have you enjoyed the show? Oh, yes, very much so. Yes, do you think there's yes. a series in it? Oh, I do, yes. And there yes. we are. Jeff? Absolutely. We pick on some other poor unsuspecting corner of the railway. Well, you know, we, we share, it's all connected. It's a yeah, networking it is, it is in, very in every so. sense of the word. You've very been listening so. to Morton's Heritage Railway podcast. You can, of course, a reminder, uh, access the uh, Heritage uh, Heritage Railway magazine uh, on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash Heritage Railway. Or indeed, just go to the uh, Morton's website. Or indeed, email us with your thoughts and views and, and indeed suggestions for ways in which we can highlight and enhance. And maybe, I don't know, Brian, do you think we should actually invite people to send in their own train sounds because we might say it's a podcast on heritage train we haven't had a single railway effect really um, yes we ought to have um, you know whistles and this sort of thing a yes, sound of the engine yeah, yeah, sound yeah, of the thing yeah. Yeah, even well. even just in the background perhaps well, uh, the, yeah, a bit yeah. of colour instead of, of having a jingle in between bits of talking uh, but, some whistles well exactly <laughs> not that we're knocking Rom Nichols because it does wrap up the show today quite nicely so to Jeff Thompson to Brian Sharp and to Pete Shaw and to your good self Happy trails, happy journeys, happy railway journeys, people. If you like trains, if you like vintage trains, then this is the podcast for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.